Welcome to The Lamb and the Scroll, where we unpack scripture using the rich tradition of the church. I'm your host, John Brayer, and in this episode, we'll be taking a look at the concept of a gospel. As we move into the gospels, I wanted to start by taking a look at the concept of what a gospel is. And so in this episode, I'll be sharing with you a series of clips from Bishop Robert Barron, who will reflect on the meaning of the gospel. Now, the link to his full commentary can be found in the show notes, so if you want to check it out, it's about 10 or 11 minutes long. To start with today, a gospel, in very simple terms, gospel means good news. And so in some senses, the gospel is delivering some form of good news. Now, Dr. Peter Kraft breaks down the word gospel by focusing on those two dimensions. He says that there's something good about this news that it's authentically good for each one of us. There's something that's positive that comes from this story. And there's something that's newsworthy. These are real events, real people, and real things that occurred that took place at a specific time and place within history. And so with this in mind, let's go ahead and turn to Bishop Barron, who's going to start to unpack this idea of what a gospel is. What is the gospel? What is the good news? I think first we should say the good news is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. When the first Christians used that term, euangelion, gospel or good news, glad tidings, what they were referring to was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. All right, let's pause there just for a moment. The basic idea here that Bishop Barron is sharing is that the central or fundamental story that is shared that is good news is that of the resurrection. And so he's going to go on and break down why that is so important and why it's so fundamental to this good news that is shared in the gospel stories. Think of some of the earliest charismatic preaching. Charisma means like that fundamental proclamation. The earliest charismatic preaching is, you killed him, God raised him. We put Jesus to death, but God raised him from the dead. It was the good news of the resurrection which proved that God's love is more powerful than sin and death and anything that's in the world. All right, now at this point, Bishop Barron is going to pivot a bit, and he's going to draw some implications from this focus on the resurrection of Jesus. So pay attention as he unpacks one after another of the implications that he sees for each one of us. At this point, I'll let Bishop Barron speak uninterrupted. Again, if you'd like to see the entirety of this video, or at least listen to it, you can click on the link below in the show notes. But again, at this point, I'll turn it over to Bishop Barron to go through some of the implications of this gospel message of the resurrection. Now, a first implication of that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Paul's phrase, Jesus Kyrios, which is all through his letters, Jesus is Lord. Every tongue proclaimed to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the kerygma. That's the good news. Because the resurrection shows that Caesar is not Lord. That there's no one in this world, none of the tyrants or potentates of this world, deserve our final allegiance. Jesus does. He's the victor over sin and death and anything in the world. Therefore, submit to his lordship and get in his army. I would say that's an implication of the early charismatic preaching. There's a new king, a new lord, get into his army. We read that as Catholics as the church. Join the church, which is now this army, this band, this this body, which is now gathered under the lordship of a new uh, curios, a new king. 
I think that's a very important dimension of the good news, that we have a victor in Jesus and that we can get into his victorious army. Okay, I draw a further implication. Throughout his public life, Jesus spoke and acted in the very person of God. Not just one more prophet, he's called a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Because no prophet would ever have said, in reference to himself, you have a greater than the temple here. No prophet would have said that. They wanted to cleanse the temple and purify it. They never claimed that they are greater than the temple. No prophet of Israel would ever have said, unless you love me more than your mother and father, more than your very life, you're not worthy of me. That's language that applies to God. No prophet of Israel would ever say to someone, my son, your sins are forgiven. That belongs to God alone. No prophet of Israel would ever have said in regard to the Torah, You've heard it said there, but I say. See, all these extraordinary claims of Jesus, these moves and words of Jesus, where he speaks and acts in the very person of God. Well, that's what caused so much trouble for him. As C.S. Lewis rightly saw, once he says and does things like that, either he's a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he says he is. That's exactly what you see now in the New Testament uh, witness. It's exactly why he was done to death on the cross. So, what did the resurrection prove, the euangelion? It proved he is who he says he was. He's not a liar, not a lunatic. He is, in fact, the Lord. The divinity of Jesus follows, it seems to me, from the resurrection of Jesus. Now we can see something even more powerful, that the victory of Jesus takes on infinitely greater dimensions. Jesus is the coming together of divinity and humanity. He's the fulfillment of the deepest longing of Israel, the deepest longing of the human race. Humanity, and it's all its compromised, fallen quality, has now been taken up into the divine life. Humanity in Jesus has been divinized. Now we understand the church fathers who said over and over again, Deus fit homo, ut homo fieret Deus. God became man that man might become God. See, if I were pressed, what's the gospel? I wouldn't say justification by grace through faith. I'd say that. I'd say Deus fit homo and homo fear at Deus. God became one of us that we might become partakers in the divine nature. We are members of the victorious army of, of Jesus, risen from the dead, and now we are also drawn into his divinizing power. See, that's how we're saved by him, how we're saved through his cross and resurrection.